It's a joy for my wife and myself to be here with you today in Belleville to uh, just celebrate with you on this very special day uh, the, the extension and growth that you're experiencing here spiritually and also numerically. The family of God must grow. Amen. It shows that God is working. He is present and he is active. It is uh, such a wonderful joy to be here with you today. Um, I'd like to express on behalf of our administration and our directors, our support staff, um, our appreciation to Pastor Vicente and his dear family for their ministry here. Amen. Amen. And um, also to Charlie for her tremendous uh, support as they work together here in Belleville. Um, you know, Charlie's name is among the 33,000 names that have come across my desk every now and then. And uh, today I was able to get a little more close-up view of her in action. And what a steady hand. Amen? What a steady person. So admirable. And her little daughter like an associate right there. Really want to thank uh, Pastor Vicente also for his kind invitation to be here with you to share over his pulpit desk. It, uh, you know, when he became available to us, uh, we were very clear that we would be taking him on. There were some vacancies all around Ontario to include Thunder Bay. I hear you. <laughs> but of course, when we thought about uh, the fact that his dear wife works uh, not very far from Oshawa, not far from here. We said, let's keep them as close as we could. And praise the Lord, Belleville and Maydock have been blessed as a result of the assignments. We are so grateful for what they do here. I'd like to share a few things, uh, developments around our conference. First of all, I'd let you know that uh, by the end of this year, based on the growth and uh, expansions that have been happening through many individuals coming to accept Christ as their personal Savior from sin, we will be closer to 35,000 than we have ever been. Amen? Many individuals are coming to find Christ as their Savior. Uh, to this date or to date, uh, we now have 128 churches, 28 companies, 20 groups, 176 congregations here in Ontario. And of course, it keeps us moving around. This, of course, um, we are having in Ontario 50% of the membership in all of Canada. And we have moved from number 13 in terms of size in North America. We're now number four. Uh, moved from 30 in 2009 to number 4 in size. Uh, quite recently, two weeks ago in fact, we started a new group in a place called Shelburne. In Shelburne. And that's where I met one of your former members, George. I'll not forget him because of the handshake. <laughs> Took me a few days to recover. <laughs> and uh, he asked me to convey his greetings to you when I do come, so let me do that. Okay. And then last Sabbath, 
Last Sabbath, we organized our first church for the blind. 37 blind members, uh, blind individuals uh, coming together. And uh, we had our first church. It's called the Hope Vision Fellowship. Amen. And it was just a wonderful opportunity to worship with them and uh, hear them sing songs like Amazing Grace. I was blind, but now I see. They were blinded physically and blind in terms of perspective. But now they are saying, now I see I can see Jesus by faith and know that I will see him face to face. Not very far from now. We are anticipating comes February to organize our first church for the deaf as we go into all the world reaching everyone for Christ. We anticipate that that congregation should begin with about 50 members. Please pray for our ministry as we move in all the directions because uh, time is of the essence. Jesus is coming soon. I share the word this morning entitled Bent Over Woman from the book of Luke. And I ask you to bow your heads with me as we pray. Oh, loving Father and our God, we pray in a special way that your spirit will now bless us with an understanding and an appreciation of the value of this short passage. May we, through the word today, see Jesus more clearly, love him more dearly, and follow him more nearly. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to, uh, of course, celebrate those who will be coming to be baptized today. I was singing this morning, couldn't help but hear Linda behind me, and I said to myself, what a beautiful voice. Let me slowly look around and see who that is. And then uh, here she is among the candidates to be baptized. Wonderful, isn't that wonderful? Now today, I'd like to make very clear as we turn to the book of Luke, the 13th chapter, that uh, the church, the church must be constantly clear with regards to her purpose. Otherwise, the church becomes just another institution that exists. The more sensitive we are to the reality of our purpose and God's intention when he established the church, the more that very purpose will drive our activities and guide our plans that emerges from our goals. The church, I would say, exists only for two reasons. One is called ministry, and the other is called mission. Ministry is defined in Ephesians 4 as the building up of the body of Christ. We exist for that purpose. We exist to build each other up spiritually, to grow and nurture each other in Christ, 
to hold each other's hands spiritually and help to escort each other towards the kingdom of Christ. In other words, because we are members of the church, your life should be blessed because of your encounter with me. My life should be blessed because of my encounter with you. We are here to enrich, to inspire, to support, and to encourage each other. One of the fundamental purposes of the church is called ministry, building up the body of Christ. Therefore, there is no room for division, no space for antagonism. We can disagree without being disagreeable. Amen? Because the higher purpose is that we are committed to seeing each other to that final destination, which is a place in the kingdom and in the eternal presence of Jesus Christ. Never lose sight of your work of ministry. We will not be divided by any purpose. One of the wonderful things we do, uh, we do see in the workings of Christ in our own conference. Uh, and, you know, we recently organized our first South Asian church. It's wonderful. I was uh, uh, preaching at that church and saw wonderful people from India and Pakistan worshiping together and singing together in the same choir about the same Jesus Christ. I listen to the news and I hear about border skirmishes between India and Pakistan. I hear about tensions between India and Pakistan as they have their, their own political tension. And yet in our South Asian church, we have people from the same two countries having no tension, no problem, no difficulty in embracing one another as brothers and sisters. Their potlucks are wonderful. Their fellowship is just great. Their love for one another is incomparable all because of the transforming power of Jesus Christ himself. He unites us and has given us the ministry of building up each other in him. The standard is so high and so qualitative that he says you're not just to encourage one another, but you should support each other to mature in such spiritual ways that the church will really be the body of Christ. Wow. That means that the church becomes the visible representation of the now invisible Christ. The Christ who is not visible to the eyes of community people will see Christ through us. The body of Christ. So he is the head of the church. He is the foundation of the church. The church becomes the body of Christ. Therefore, the church is a place of power, a place of healing, a place of peace, and a place where we experience true joy. Wow. The world offers pleasure. In the church, we find joy. Joy is richer 
than pleasure and joy is more durable than pleasure. The second purpose of the church is mission. Mission, which is reaching others for Christ. There are only these two purposes. Everything else becomes a program, a program that's disconnected, that has no end in itself, that consumes resources and burns us out and does not advance us toward the kingdom nor advance the kingdom in the world. Only two purposes, ministry and mission. Everyone who is built up in Christ through ministry then becomes equipped to share Christ with the world so that folk can see joy in you, a peace that they covet, and they can experience through you an invitation to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. I'd have you know that people are still coming to find Jesus Christ as Savior, as you are seeing today. I just had an evangelistic series. Every year I do one. That is my covenant with God. It doesn't matter what position I'm serving in. I must be committed to ministry and mission. We had uh, some 47 individuals baptized in, in uh, my sharings in Scarborough recently. And then two weeks later I went on a mission trip to preach for two weeks in the Philippines. We had 339 people coming to Christ and embracing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. God is working by His Spirit in drawing men, in blessing our efforts. Ellen White says, don't you ever think that you don't know enough or you are not equipped enough to give a Bible study and to share the gospel. She says, just give yourself into the hands of God. Be willing. Begin to share what he has done for you. And this is what I love. And angels will put words in your mouth. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Isn't that wonderful? It is a great thing to share the gospel of Christ. The more you share it, the more blessed you become. Jesus wants us to build each other up in the church ministry and then to move purposefully outside of the four walls of our churches and to share the gospel of Christ with others. We are working on a program right now where having been conducting our schools of evangelism and training more and more individuals, we're now looking at a plan in moving the graduates from the schools of evangelism out into the outskirts to assist churches that uh, express their desire for support. For example, if you would like to develop a plan here in Belleville to get out in your community one Sabbath afternoon and spend the whole afternoon visiting and inviting people back to the church for the evening for a worship service, let us know. We will undertake the, the, the cost for the bus to transport these folk out to come and join with you. We did that over the last summer. 
went all the way up to places like Blind River, way up north. And I tell you, uh, when we had the Northern Ontario Camp Meeting, our mission story was not from the General Conference, but with regards to the things that happened in those communities that were impacted by the visits and the Bible studies and the many individuals who came to know of Christ and his church and experience his blessings. So if you desire, let us know. I will only say it twice. Look with me at Luke 13. Luke, a medical doctor, writes. He introduces in verse 10 a woman who struggled with an ailment for 18 years. The Bible says now he was teaching that Jesus in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmities. Here the Bible introduces, as, as, as Luke the doctor details the woman's infirmity, he speaks about how long she struggled. For 18 years she had an ailment. Then he describes the ailment. She was bent over. I once saw a lady that just fit this description. Bent over. Her back was bent. And it was fixed almost at a right angle to her hip. Bent over. It seemed to be so painful that she supported her back with her arms behind her, bent over. Like a rusted hinge, she could not straighten up. She had this severe curvature. Her nerves were pinched and her vertebrae was misaligned. For 18 years, she suffered from this deformity. This lady who once stood tall and stately was now bent and her spirit was almost broken. I can imagine that many days above her there was a cloudless sky, but she could not see its beauty. I can imagine that many days like we do have today, there were these different sunsets each evening as God paints a new picture each day. But she could not see it. You could imagine her passing beneath trees and beautiful birds singing their songs. But she could not see them for she was bent over. She was forced by her deformity to look down. She could only see the dirt of the unpaved streets of her community. She saw the litter of the day and the garbage strewn streets of her community. She could not look up, for she was bent over. 
I'd like to give her credit though because uh, the Bible said that she showed up for worship. I know a few individuals who will not show up for worship if it's overcast. I know a few people who will not venture outside of their homes if it begins to rain a little. But this woman, despite her deformity and difficulty, she went to worship. Verse 11 says that she was in the synagogue. Can you imagine her walking into church, taking her seat, and with her deformity, she could not look towards the choir, nor could she see the songs on the screen, for she was bent over. She would only be staring at the floor. She could not see the preacher's face. She could not see anywhere but the floor. Verse 12 says, Jesus saw her. I think this is where the transition begins. Amen. It is wonderful to be seen by Jesus. And Jesus sees everybody, especially those who have a need. He sees people who have a need differently from those who do not sense that they have a need. I looked at this and noticed that in the Greek there are different words translated to see but this word used by Luke is a unique word. Jesus saw her. This word is translated to see and also to ascertain what must be done about the situation. Amen. So this was not just a casual glance. This was not a furtive look. This was not just a, a notice and then move to ignore and to look at someone else. Jesus saw her and that look was so deep. It was so sensitive. It was so caring that this word is translated, I know it means to see and then to figure out what needs to be done about this situation. I'd like you to know that this is how Jesus sees us. Jesus looks at us differently than human eyes do. Jesus looks at us with care. He looks at us with love. He looks at us and sees our needs. And Jesus then connects that with his ability. And that is the integrity of God. Jesus, his eyes shifted from his text. And now he was reading the painful pages of her life. As we look over the story, we will notice that the Bible says Jesus saw her. And from that moment on... He is no longer reading the text. He is no longer reading the scrolls. He saw her and he is now reading the story of her past 18 years. He read every sentence of her suffering. Jesus saw every question mark that punctuated her pain. What seemed to arrest his attention was how she acted out 
her faith. Despite her difficulty, she showed up to worship. It is important that every newly baptized and every one of us who was baptized some time ago understand how Jesus notices certain important things. He says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It is important to come together to worship. After a week of distractions, we need to refocus. After a week of buffeting, we need to be reinforced. Yes. She showed up. What seemed to arrest his attention is that this woman kept attending Sabbath after Sabbath. Despite how uncomfortable it was for her to sit and bend over, she kept coming. Although adults stared at her, sometimes children teased her along the streets as she went to the synagogue, she kept on going. In today's culture, she would have had a lot of reasons to stay home. But she said, no, no. I could stay home and watch 3ABN. But I'm going to the synagogue. The Bible says Jesus saw her. I can only imagine Jesus rolling up the scroll from which he was teaching. And the Bible says he called her to himself. Now Jesus was about to do something for her. Jesus was about to bless her. Jesus was about to heal her. But he called her first. Now Jesus is so powerful. He could have stayed at the pulpit and declared her healed from where she was. But Jesus called her. Uh, she walks with difficulty towards Jesus. What was the point Jesus was trying to make? What was the point he was making? I don't know if he was calling her so that the church could give her the attention they never gave her all along I don't know but one thing I am sure is that Jesus called her to emphasize a fundamental principle that all human beings ought to get if you are going to receive the blessings that Jesus has in store for you you must participate in the process you have to do something in order to experience all he wants to do for you. And so she had to come to the altar. She had to get up and walk down to show that she really, really wanted to experience what Jesus had in store for her. Like today, there are many who are coming to Christ and they're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, amen, willing to demonstrate to the world and before all of us that they're coming to Christ and they're doing what he says. He says, come, and they have come to give their lives to Christ. The woman walked down the aisle. She wouldn't even know that she got to Jesus 
as she was bent over looking at the floor, she would only know when she saw his sandaled feet. At that moment, the Bible says, Jesus placed his hands upon her and spoke. He said, verse 13, laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. He said in verse 12, Woman, you are healed. She must have been happy that she accepted his invitation, went when he said come, approached him without delay, without debating, without asking why didn't he come to me. Ah, she went and she was blessed. Her spinal column fused for 18 years now shifted into flexibility. Her shoulders hunched over for 18 years now rises in freedom. And now after 18 years she is able to lift her eyes, her hands and her heart and look up towards heaven and look to the face of Jesus and praised him. The original said, she now rarely worshipped. Amen. The last words of verse 13 says, she glorified God and that is worship. Giving God the glory, all the thanks, giving him the praise. Why did Jesus stop his sermon and pause his preaching? Why did Jesus do that? Because he's a God of compassion. All around us, beloved, are folk who are bent over. Every person who has not yet found deliverance from Christ is a bent over person. Their spinal columns may look erect, but in their souls they're bent over. Bent over with the cares of this life. Bent over under the weight of past sins. Sins for which they have not even forgiven themselves, nor have they come to Christ for forgiveness. Bent over because of wrong choices and the weight of that resting upon them. Bent over because of past family choices that have brought them pain and emotional stress. Bent over because of rejection and discrimination some. Bent over because of their social situations at school and workplaces, bent over so much that we had to have special training for some pastors to send them up to places like Atawapiskat to help with suicide prevention, intervention, and postvention. Bent over people are all around us, living next door to us, sitting close to us in the workplace sighing and looking for help through drugs and medication. So much depression because people are bent over. So much stress and distress, which the World Health Organization refers to as prolonged stress, bent over people who will not be able to experience true worship, true joy, unless 
they are invited to come to Jesus. The church has the responsibility of ministry, but we have the responsibility for mission. Today we have lots of refugees leaving their countries, not because they're bad people, not because they wanted to leave, but circumstances around them, the change in the political environment around them, the bombings, the skirmishes, the unpredictable attacks, and many of these folk are coming to our countries. We have just organized a new ministry in Ontario, Adventist Muslim Relations, as we reach out to these people to pray for them, bent over, needing to find freedom in Christ. I close with this wonderful quote from Ellen White Notes on the Sabbath School Lesson, page 34, talking about the role of the church in the community, which is mission. And we are transitioning from community services to ministries of compassion. And that's why we have a very strong disaster response program, a very strong uh, ministry to the blind, strong ministry to the deaf, because it's ministries of compassion. This is what she says. I quote, We should all become witnesses for Jesus. Amen. If she had stopped there, it would have been enough. But she went on to say, Let the world see that we are not selfishly absorbed in our own interests, but that we desire others to share our blessings and privileges. Let them see that our religion does not make us unsympathetic and exacting. Let all who profess to have found Christ minister as he did for the benefit of men. Then she said, if we do that, the blessings we get would be so good for us. She says, when we help others... There is something that happens that flashes upon our nerves, that improves our circulation, that impacts our physical health and our mental health. Wow, it is a blessing to be a blessing. May God use us as Christ himself ministered in the, on the earth so that we can be the body of Christ on this earth inviting others to him like the woman who was bent over so that she would come and find deliverance, freedom, and experience true worship. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you today for your holy words. May these words, inspired by your Holy Spirit and penned in scriptures, find not just belief in our hearts, but a response in your church for ministry and mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.